are listening to the Grace of Bel Air Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. For additional information, you can visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. And now, we invite you to enjoy this week's sermon. How many of you know Jesus is in the building? Amen. <laughs> How many of you know God is in the building and he has something special for us today? You just pray with me, church. God, we thank you. Oh, Lord, we thank you, God, for being here with us, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, those songs that we sang, God, there's no sin, there's no stain, there's no shame, no accusation, no giant, no mountain. Nothing is too big for you. Nothing stands a chance against our God. God, you are a high and exalted King of kings and Lord of lords. You reign above it all. Oh, God, and today, would you let us see higher, too? God, would you call us higher this morning? Call us to see the way that you see, oh, God. Give us your wisdom. We ask you in the mighty name of Jesus, all God's people say... Amen and amen. If you would turn to Romans chapter 13 with me. If you have your phone or if you have your Bible, would you turn to chapter 13 with me? Romans chapter 13. This is a continuation of a series that we've been walking through as a church, as a study for the book of Romans. And how many have just loved this study and have learned something new in the past few months? Or just the book of the, this amazing book that Paul has so much teaching and Paul is something very important to know. His style of teaching, his style of writing, oftentimes in all his letters, really pretty much, is that he would have the first half of the book would be dedicated to the teaching of theology, the understanding of God. Who is Jesus? What has he done? What does it mean for us to have faith? What does it mean for us to be alive in Christ, to be free from sin, to be saved? And then what happens at the end of the book? He, there's a shift that happens. And it's like he's up here, he's teaching all the theology, and then all of a sudden something happens when he begins to shift. It's like, now we're going to grab this and we're going to live it out. Now we're going to take everything that we've learned, everything, all the theology, and we're going to bring it down here and we're going to learn how to walk it out today. So I believe God today, he has some very important things that he has for us to learn. How can we walk this thing out that is our new call in Jesus Christ? I remember when I was about five years old, uh, my parents, they were missionaries to Latin America. And I had the privilege to go to many events with them as a child. I, I was, had the privilege to grow up in the church. And let me tell you, somebody grew up in the church. There's nothing better than growing up in the church. I loved it. I loved it so much. And I had such an experience to see the way that God was moving all throughout the earth with so many different people changing and transforming lives. But I remember one particular day, my parents, they took me to a missions conference where it was a jam-packed missions conference where missionaries from all over the world were all in one room like this, in a sanctuary like this. And how many know when you're five years old and you're in a room like that and you're in the middle of a crowd full of people that are packed in here, all you can see is a bunch of feet and a bunch of legs. 
You're looking around, and you're like, where's my dad? Where's my parents? Where are they? All I see is flags. All I see these giants walking around. They're like, oh, I know you, you know? And I'm looking around. I'm like, where, where, where am I? I'm lost. I'm confused. Where, where, what's going on? Until I spot my dad. And when you're a five-year-old kid and you want your dad to pick you up, what do you do? <laughs> I went up to my dad. I was like, and so my dad, he picks me up, and he puts me on his shoulders over here. And all of a sudden, when all I could see was a bunch of legs and pants and shoes and the floor, a bunch of commotion, when he put me on his shoulders, all of a sudden, all I could see was a bunch of balding heads everywhere. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All of a sudden, I got to see all the tops of the heads of everybody that I could see. I could see them in their face. They would look at me. They would wave. And it was a totally different perspective. What happened? I was called higher. I was put on his shoulders. When I was down here, all I could see was what was down here. But when I was picked up and I was put higher, I could see differently. Today, God wants to say to somebody, God is calling you higher today. God is calling you higher. God has a different way for you to see he has a different perspective that he wants us to have as the people of God. I love that scripture in Isaiah that says, Just as the heavens are above the earth, so are God's ways higher than yours. And so are God's thoughts higher than yours. There's a, the place that we must come as humanity before a holy and, and, and set apart God. We must have the humility to say, God, I acknowledge you know better than I do. You understand this thing called life more than I do. God, you see more than I can see. So today, God, call us higher. I want to see how you see. So today, God wants to give us perspective. Turn to your neighbor and say perspective. Now turn to your other neighbor and say perspective. <laughs> Amen. God wants to give us perspective today. And according to Romans 3, there's three different areas of our lives that God wants to give us a different, a higher perspective. Amen? Amen. So you turn to chapter 13, verse 1. Read with me. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Bloop. Wow, that's strong. Paul Going swinging for the fences right off the bat. Then he goes, verse 2, Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Verse 3, For the rulers are not a terror to do good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear for the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. Verse 4, For he is a servant of your good, for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. And verse 7 is the key verse for this first point. It says, Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. 
How many know that's a tough pill to swallow? <laughs> How many know the, the uh, for me, I hate taking pills. I hate it. it. I've always, since I was a kid, it's just been a weird thing. I don't, I don't like it. It always freaked me out. I always thought I was going to choke on it. So I'll take the little Zyrtex, the little allergy ones, Allegra or whatever. I can do that. But anything bigger, it's like, I don't want to swallow that pill. This right here can be a tough pill to swallow. Uh, some of you right now, just even me reading those scriptures, you have a bunch of rebuttals that come to your mind. <laughs> but have you seen our leaders? <laughs> but have you seen our leadership? Have you seen the authority? And there's, a, there's something that is rising up. Oftentimes, that's what happens at the reading of the scripture. But then it, it, the context to which Paul's writing to this becomes very important. Paul is writing this to a church that is under the authority and the jurisdiction of a guy named Nero, Emperor Nero. He's writing to a church who's in a city that has been under constant lockdown and they've been hunting down the fellow believers. These, these, these leaders, these authorities wanted to crush the church. They didn't want this thing, this gospel, this message to go out and to spread. So what would he do, this emperor? He ordered that they would be captured, thrown in prison, that they'd be crucified, that they would be lit on fire. They would take families and throw them in the Colosseum to fend for themselves against lions. This is the context to which Paul is writing to. So to us who are reading today in a modern era, how many know the word of God never changes? The word of God never changes. History changes. The world we're living in, culture changes. But the word of God doesn't change. This doesn't mean that we have to agree with everything. If there's anything that is commanded of us that is against the word of God, we're not called to follow that. But it does mean that we are to give what is owed. And that is respect, honor, and to pray for our leaders. To pray. God, in the, in the perspective of authority, is calling you and me to come higher. How many of you know, down here is where the mudslinging goes by. Down here is, I'm cutting you off because you're not part of my political party. Down here is like, oh, even within family, I don't want to talk to you anymore because all they talk about is about that. Down here is the anger and the animosity and the division. But God is saying, I want you to come up here. You're a citizen of a greater kingdom. You're a citizen of a higher kingdom. This is not about being passive or you don't care. But you know what the best thing for the church is? To pray. There's power when we pray. There's power when we have our convictions. We stand on the truth of the word of God. But we are not like the world. We are set apart. We will not stoop to the level of the world, but we are being called higher. How many of you know this scripture did not change in 2016? And how many of you know this word did not change in 2020? It did not change. The word of God is eternal and the call is the same. God is calling us higher. I want to invite you. If you prayed for Donald J. Trump, are you praying for President Biden now? If you prayed for President Trump, are you praying for Biden today? There's a lot going on. We need prayer. People of God, come up higher.
come up higher. Do we want to see actual change and move and the move of God, revival take over this nation? We must pray. And we cannot get caught in the mud. God is saying, come up higher. And vice versa. If you're praying for Biden today, were you hating on President Trump then? Just hating and hating and hating, you didn't pray? And Wendy, let me tell you, in the next cycle of elections, church, let's not get caught up in the mud. Because it's coming every four years. It's coming. What are we going to choose as a people of God? I believe when the people of God say, I am called higher. Stand on your convictions. Stand on the word of God. Stand. Be a citizen. Do what you must do. But do it in a way that is different than the world. Do it differently. This world is trying to tribalize us right now. Set, divide us. Take us apart. You must choose a side, and you must hate the other. Let me tell you, there's a higher way. There's a higher way for the citizens of heaven to be representatives, ambassadors of the kingdom of God here on this earth. That is the call. He's giving us this thing. And, and my question to you today, and this is a question I ask myself, is are you, through what eyes are you seeing this world? Are you seeing this world through the eyes of God? Or are you merely seeing this world through the eyes of an elephant and a donkey? God is calling us to see through the eyes of God. There's revival coming to America. There's revival coming to America. There's a move of God that's going to sweep this country. Let me tell you, it's when the people of God know I'm called higher and I want to see the kingdom come and, and heaven invade the earth through the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. I will not get caught in the mud. I will not. And I believe God is going to do that through us. If you go to verse number eight, and this is the second point. He says, God, one, wants to give us perspective towards authority, but Paul now is trying to teach us that God also wants to give us perspective towards our neighbors. If you go to verse number eight, it says, no, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment, everything, are all summed up in this one word. And I just ask the Holy Spirit to put this in your heart. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not know wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So the question then becomes, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. <laughs> Another question, what is love? Actually, I'm asking, what is love? Let me tell you, there's so many definitions to love. Listen to music. They try to give you a definition to love. Watch the movies that we celebrate. They're trying to give us the definition of love. Let me tell you, but out of all the definitions of love, the people of God, we must go to the one who is the greatest of love, who is love, our creator. God wants us to step out of the way humanity defines love and step into the way that God defines love, his perspective on love. The humanity's perspective on love oftentimes is something that is called transactional love. 
I will love you. I will measure out just how much time I'll give to you, just how much energy I'll give to you, just how much resource I'll give to you based on the merit of what you can do for me in return. That's how humanity works. For the ones that can't do anything for us in return, let's not invest that much into them. Let's invest in the ones that can actually return things to us. But how many know Jesus said the, quite the opposite? Jesus said, he said, even, even, the, even sinners do that. But you're different. I'm calling you to be different. He says, when you throw a party, invite the people that can never pay you back. When you throw a party, he says, invite the leper. Invite the homeless person. Invite the person that, that, that has no money. Because then they can't pay you back. It's something so radical that is so different than when, what we think love is here on the earth that Jesus is trying to say, I want you to step into my type of love. So then how, the question then becomes, how can we step into this love? How can I learn to love the way that you love? I just want to invite you, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, the perfect example of what love is. Look to the one who looked, went to the woman at the well who had a pretty bad reputation in the town and told her that her identity and fulfillment will be found in him. Look to the leper who was walking, who hadn't been touched. He hadn't, he hadn't felt the warmth of somebody touching him or hugging him in years, who everywhere he went, he would have to cry out, unclean, unclean. But Jesus was willing to step in and touch him. And heal him. Or look even to the woman that was caught in adultery. That was thrown before the feet of Jesus. With a crowd with stones in their hands ready to stone her. Because she was caught in sin. And what did Jesus do? He scattered her accusers. Or even the greatest, greatest example of all which we just celebrated a week ago, was Jesus, Son of God, perfect, innocent, Lamb of God being crucified, put up, hung on a tree, and there as he bled for you and me, he cried out these words, Abba, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Oh, they don't know what they're doing. Oh, God, that I would have that kind of love. Oh, God, that I would learn what would it look like to love how you love. And I'm self-aware enough to know that that's not in me. That isn't in me. In my flesh, in my own humanity, that's not there. But how many know in the very same spirit of Jesus that now lives in me, it is in me now. God wants to know that as a people of God, as Jesus was the perfect representation of the love of a heavenly father, and Jesus was sent by the father, and what did he say in John 20 to his disciples? As the father has sent me, now I'm sending you. I'm sending you into this world. I'm sending you to be the representation of the love of God in this world. How many know can testify, this is a dark world. This world's messed up. This world is broken. I want to say, 
you and I have something that is so much stronger than the forces of darkness and evil in this world. We have something that is greater, that is more abounding, and that is the light and the love of Jesus Christ. The light and the love of Jesus Christ. Then nothing compares. And if you're here, you're like, I don't know if I can love like that. I just want to invite you. All you have to do is ask, God, help me to love like you did. That's it. Holy Spirit of God, who now lives in me, help me to love like you did. Help me to love how you love. If we continue, and the last point is this. The third perspective that God wants to influence in our lives and teach us is this, our perspective towards ourselves. If we go to verse 11, here we see Jesus, uh, or we see Paul begin to continue his teaching, saying, besides this, know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. As I was praying and preparing for this, Sermon, I just sensed the Holy Spirit just put a pump the brakes when I read that scripture. And just say, somebody needs to hear this. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Been in slumber for too long. The past couple of years have not been easy. And there's almost like a dullness that's been hanging over you. The Holy Spirit of God is beckoning you right now to say, it's time to wake up. The hour has come. The hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off all the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. The armor of the light of God. He then continues to say, let us walk properly as in the daytime. Not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, not in sensuality, and not in quarreling and jealousy. But verse 14, this is a key verse for the last, this last verse of the chapter says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. God is calling us higher, church. God is calling us higher. God is calling us higher in the way that we see authority and the way we conduct ourselves as the people of God. God is calling us higher in the way that we love, to, to, to love in a higher type of love, a, a heavenly love. And God is calling us higher in the way that we see ourselves, in the way that we walk ourselves in this earth. There's a calling that is higher. And why are we being called higher? It's because you and I, we were bought at a price. You and I, we were bought at a price. And what was that price? The very blood of Jesus Christ. And this is something that is so amazing that when I, God revealed it to me and when God reveals it to other people, I love to see it. If somebody's here and having people come to me, what is the worth of my life? 
What is the value of my life? The, to the one who's been asking the questions, if I disappeared, would anybody notice? If I wasn't here, like, would anybody flinch or would everything just move on? Let me tell you, what is the worth, what is the value of life? It is worth the blood of the Son of God. That's how much your life matters. That's how much your life has value. That the very Son of God would stretch out his hands and would bleed for the salvation of our souls. That's how much your life matters and counts. God has put a plan to you. And when we begin to realize and have the revelation, we get to be called higher. We have the perspective shift that now I belong to Jesus. I don't belong to my past. I don't belong to my anxieties of the future. I don't belong to the things that once held me captive. I don't belong to, to, to the, the things that my family has struggled with for generations. I mean, I belong to God. I will not struggle with that anymore. That doesn't follow me because I'm covered by the blood. I belong to Jesus. Oh, you're just going to be just like your father. No, I'm not. Right? Oh, you're just going to be just like your mother. No, I won't. I belong to Jesus. He's the commander of my life, the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the one who directs my steps and makes my path straight. Any lie that's been spoken over to you, the blood of Jesus is stronger. And it speaks a better word. It speaks a better word. So today, the, 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 the thing, the perspective, the being called higher is that I belong to Jesus. I belong to the Son of God. And now he's giving me a new perspective about myself. Verse 14, I'm going to read it again. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, he, he mentions all those different sins. Take it off. Take it off. It's like playing in the mud, being covered in the mud, and now you have all these dirty clothes. God is inviting you, saying, because of what my son has done, I'm inviting you. Take off the old clothes. Just like Lazarus came out of that grave and he took off his garments from the tomb. I could just imagine Lazarus being raised from the dead by Jesus. He comes out of that grave. He's still covered with his grave clothes. I could just imagine everybody, get that off. Here, put this on instead. Because he's not dead anymore. He's alive. I know when we come to the Lord, we are alive in him. He's inviting us to, to take off the old clothes, the things that, that stained us, all the things like that song. There's no sin, there's no stain that is a match to the great I am. Nothing. And he invites us, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you have been to a, a, a sporting event and you bought the jersey of your favorite team that was playing that day? Right? I went to it. I remember my first Orioles game when I moved to the United States. I loved it. I have no idea what was happening, but I loved it. <laughs> I had no idea. But I bought a jersey because I wanted to identify with the team that I was rooting for. When you put on the Lord Jesus Christ, what that means is that you're putting on and you're identifying with the work of the cross in the empty tomb. Put on the Jesus Christ. I identify with the finished work of the cross. It is done. It is finished. 
He saved me. It, he invites us, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Identify with his death, his resurrection, his work of salvation in your life. And then he continues in this last phrase. It says, and make no provision for the flesh. A provision is like a feeding or a watering. It's like when you provide something to sustain it. He's saying, don't give provision to the flesh to gratify its desires. It's like this, for example. Imagine there's two plants you, on the same windowsill, the same seeds put into two different pots, and you water one of them, but you don't do anything to the other one. Which one's going to grow? The one that you water, right? One of the plants will grow, and the other one will wither and die. Paul is saying, if you have two pots, which is the pot of the flesh, if you water that, if you provide, give provisions to that, what kind of fruit are you going to get? Fruits of the flesh. But if on this other pot, and in the book of Galatians, it goes deeper into it, is it's the, it's the pot of the spirit. And you give provisions for the spirit. You water the plant of the spirit. What kind of fruit are you going to get? The fruit of the spirit. My question, and I want to invite the band if you guys would come up now. The point is this, Paul's making, whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you feed will grow. Sow to the flesh, you will reap the fruit of the flesh. You sow into the spirit, you will reap the fruit of the spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit even right now is highlighting, I, I don't need to know, but God knows and you know. God might be showing you something, an area that you feel like, I've been, I've been giving provision to my flesh in this area. gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest message on the face of the planet. It is the message of a man who's God, God incarnate, coming to this planet on a rescue mission for you and for me. Knowing there's no way we could save ourselves, knowing that humanity was lost, but he came to rescue and seek that which was lost. Son of God that paid a price for you and for me, who when we come to him in repentance and faith, we are adopted as sons and daughters of God. For those of you who are already children of God, this is a call to remember God is calling us higher. Come on up here to the one who isn't yet in the family of God. Today's the day of salvation. If you're listening online and you just stumbled upon this, God knows who you are. <laughs> We've seen people just give their life to Jesus on a live stream. That's amazing. God wants you. 
You're, you're listening to this not by accident. God is chasing. He's knocking at the door of your heart. So if everybody would just bow your heads. And I invite the prayer teams that they come forward. Today we, we, we have time. We're finishing early for the sake of just giving a time of some response this, this afternoon. You're sitting here. You've heard the word of God. What is the spirit speaking to you? Question for you today. Is God calling you higher? Is God calling you higher? It might have something to do with the points we talked about. It might have something to do, maybe the past couple years, the political intensity of the last couple years have derailed your faith. You've been stuck in the mud. And God is calling you higher today. Or maybe it, it has to do with the love that God is, is. You sense the love of God. Oh, God, I want to love like you love. He's calling you higher there. Or maybe this last point, that he was calling you higher in your understanding of your identity, who you are. That you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. That your life actually has meaning and purpose and direction. Or maybe it has nothing to do with any of these points. And God is speaking to you in a different level. Or maybe God today is calling you higher in something that is just different. Or maybe God is calling you higher to step in the gap for somebody else. Maybe you know somebody who you know God is calling higher. And maybe that higher is God. You know God is beckoning them to salvation. Maybe that higher is a son or a daughter that you know. You know God has something more for them. Church, there is power in our prayer. And these teams are here to pray for you. Stand in the gap for you. Some of the most critical and crucial and life-changing moments in my spiritual life happen on the altar. Because there was a moment of response. There was a moment where my faith was activated and I took a step. So I want us to sing this song. And church, you can stand to your feet in this moment. I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. And I invite you, if you need prayer, come forward. We want to pray. I believe that today could be the moment that you've been waiting for. Today could be the moment, the breakthrough that you've been praying for. Oh God, thank you for your word. Thank you for calling us higher. God, we open our hearts to you. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace that is sufficient for us. God, we love you. Let's begin to worship the Lord at this moment. Worship place, oh God. God, thank you for your people. God, thank you for your church. God, thank you for your word and the message that you've given us. God, you are calling us higher. 
Oh God, I pray for every heart that's in this place that you are beckoning, that you're calling, that you're ministering to even right now, Holy Spirit. God, I pray for the families, God, that God, you would be just the center of every single family in this place, Lord God. God, I pray for blessing from on high for every family represented here, Lord God. And Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would fill us up, God, with the Holy Ghost. God, would you fill us up with the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that today we would burn for you, Lord God, and that this week, wherever we may go, Lord God, we would be the light of Jesus everywhere that we go, Lord God. I pray for every family, every child. I've God, I pray for every mother, every father, God, that you would just lead them, you would call them higher, and you give them the strength, God, for what it is that they need to do, God. I ask you in the mighty name of Jesus, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Can we give one more shout of praise?